This is the 82nd episode of Decoding Fox News, and I'm your host, Juliet Jeske. Each week, I watch and analyze a whole heck of a lot of Fox News and then break it down. I watch all the Fox News you'd never want to. Let's get into it. Last week, Fox invented reality about Hunter Biden, voting rights, and abortion. Rupert Murdoch retired, but Fox... Didn't mention it. Rupert Murdoch, the chair of Fox and News Corp, is stepping down from running his global media empire. John Yang has more on his legacy and his successor. Jeff, over seven decades, Rupert Murdoch assembled an unmatched global media empire. Newspapers, television, and movies in the United States, Britain, and Australia. It includes Fox News, the Fox Television Network, Fox Sports, the Wall Street Journal, and the New York Post. The 92-year-old Murdoch has used them to wield enormous political influence in three continents, but they've also led to some self-inflicted wounds, most notably Fox News's $787 million settlement with Dominion Voting Systems for defamation over the 2020 election. And this is how the shows that I analyzed last week covered that story. So this was baffling to me a little bit because I didn't quite understand why Fox wouldn't even mention it, like at least on the five, like the premier show, the number one rated show. I I believe it still is. They wouldn't just say, oh, by the way, here's a send off to Rupert Murdoch, the man who created this empire, blah, blah, blah. No, No, nothing. No mention. It was like it didn't happen. Meanwhile, on Twitter, everybody was losing their minds. (laughs) and they were like Juliet what's going on and I'm like I don't know they're not talking about it on Fox I don't cover I cover Fox I don't cover other media covering Fox kind of do sometimes but I don't cover other media covering Fox for the most part I just want to add the reason why this podcast is so late this week is because I went to Austin Texas last week for the Texas Tribune Festival which is this big media event over the course of a few days where they have Uh, you know, people who work in media from both the left and the right. Um, I did get to meet a lot of people in the media, and I did this to promote the brand, to promote this media project, and because I specifically wanted to see some people who support the project, one of them being Charlie Sykes um, of The Bulwark. He has been, he was an early adopter, has been very supportive of my work, and I found out when I was in Texas that uh, he has talked about this project more than once on more than one podcast. People knew the whole Proud Boy story. I was shocked. I was like, you're kidding. So that's amazing. I also met the journalist on the PBS NewsHour, which was amazing, Jeff Bennett and Amna Navas. And she is just as lovely <laughs> in person as you would expect. Uh, just so personable. Just, I can't, I was just overwhelmed. And Jeff Bennett was very, very nice. They both were very, very nice. And I met a lot of other folks, and I don't want to go through all the names because I'm worried I'm going to screw one up or forget somebody and then feel bad. But it was amazing. I got a lot of great feedback about the project. Probably the most surprising thing for me was I met actual fans of this podcast. And I just want to say, which I I had no idea I would run into in Austin, Texas at a media festival. These were just normal people who one person recognized my voice. That was a little bizarro for me. If I acted weird when you said you liked my podcast, you were the first person or first group of people to ever acknowledge my podcast outside of my friends. So 
I may not know how, I may not have known how to react. I admit this openly. It was very overwhelming. So just briefly, I'll, I'll do my mom because she always makes this expression. Long starry shirt. She's from Missouri. She's from St. Louis. And she would say, Jilly, when I got there, I brought two computers. One was real old, real old, but it still kind of worked. And uh, that one broke day one, just died. Hard drive just didn't show up. Dead, dead computer, gone. It's over. And so that meant I had one computer left to do all my capturing and my editing. And that's just too difficult. It's too difficult to do. So I did my best and was still watching full hours as late as in the middle of the night, Sunday night, Monday morning, whatever you call it. Here we go. Fox News personalities pushed the limits of reality and truth last week in several examples that involved abortion access, voting rights, and Hunter Biden. Jesse Waters completely ignored timelines and dates involving the president's son, while his co-workers insisted infanticide was a Democratic Party policy that was legal in several states. Legally, it's incredibly difficult to prove if someone is knowingly lying. If a Fox News host gets information from a biased source that peddles in propaganda and misinformation, they might think they are sharing an accurate story to their viewers. So I hasten to call Fox News anchors liars, but last week the network pushed the limits of the word misleading. Fox wasted a great deal of airtime on changes to the Senate dress code and a pizza festival sponsored by Barstool Sports founder Dave Portnoy and his squabble with a Washington Post journalist. I will not be covering either one of those topics because they're ridiculous and stupid and I refuse to do it. <laughs> the Dave Portno Bart the pizza thing was so damn dumb that I was like, I cannot believe it is the third most talked about topic from Fox Week, Fox last week. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing what were the top five stories last week. It's just humiliatingly dumb. We're gonna start this with Wednesday, Jesse Waters primetime. He made an accusation about the Department of Justice that made absolutely no sense and was so easy to debunk. It was stupid. It was stupid. I was angry. I was like throwing stuff at my computer. So here we go. FBI shut down an investigation into the Biden campaign. The crime? Campaign finance charges. Hunter Biden's back taxes were paid off right before the election. Two million dollars, courtesy of the Sugar Brother. This benefited the Biden campaign and in any other world would be considered an illegal campaign contribution. But the FBI was told to stand down. Now remember, Donald Trump was indicted on 34 counts for paying Stormy Daniels 135000 something he would have done anyway, paid it personally. But they wave off $2 million for the Bidens. So this was one where I just went, is Jesse Waters a stupid or is he knowingly blatantly lying? It's hard to know. It's hard to know with that one. Uh, I would say somebody has to know they're lying. Somebody has to know that that is factually incorrect. Now, he's basically saying uh, that Hunter Biden broke campaign finance laws because his taxes were paid off right before an election. That's what he's that I just boiled it down now. Hunter Biden was not running for public office. <laughs> Hunter Biden did not have a campaign. There go. Hunter Biden cannot violate campaign finance laws unless he gave money to somebody illegally or something like that. But he was not running for an election. 
Now, if you're going to make the leap and say, well, hey, well, you know, he's so close to his father that somehow influenced the election of his father. If you want to try to make that argument, well, I can knock that down. The election was held on November 3rd, 2020. Nearly a year later, Kevin Morris, a lawyer and novelist, paid the IRS $2.6 million for Hunter Biden's back taxes, penalties, and fees. And that was in October 2021. There's an actual full date. <laughs> I found this on multiple sources, and I knew I was right because I have sadly had to research a lot about Hunter Biden. I hate the topic, but I do what I do. This is my job. I'm doing it for you. And when it said 2020, I said, wait a second. It was two years ago. I know it was two years ago. And boom, there it was two years ago. Again, multiple sources all over the internet. Just Google Hunter Biden. When were his taxes paid off? It will be 2021. Now, in case uh, Jesse Waters isn't concerned about, I don't time and space, calendars, dates, that sort of thing. 2021 comes after 2020. So no, nothing was paid off right before the election. You dum-dum. That's my new insult, dum-dum. Spelled D-U-M-D-U-M. Some woman got mad at me for using the term dum-dum on Twitter. And I said, oh, madam, if that is offensive to you, whew, you should see the stuff that I have to read <laughs> on a daily basis doing this job. You're funny. Dum-dum is in the sucker. It makes it right past all these censors on pretty much every social website. So I just call people dum-dums now. I don't like to do it, but I do it sometimes. Now we move on from that stupidity to even more stupidity. Now on Monday, Waters invited Joseph Siegler, an IRS whistleblower on Jesse Waters' prime time, to talk about Hunter Biden. Siegler testified to the House Oversight Committee that he was the lead IRS case agent who investigated Biden's taxes. And this is a quote uh, of one of the things he said in a prepared statement to the committee. I have reason to believe that there was a gross mismanagement present throughout this investigation, that there was a gross waste of funds related to tax dollars spent on investigating this case, and that there was an abuse of authority with the Department of Justice, Tax, and Delaware United States Attorney's Office. There you go. So you think, hey, Jesse Waters thinks I got the man. So Jesse Waters invites this man on his show, and I'm just going to let the clip speak for itself. Here we go. When you see a Chinese company purchase $23 million in diamonds, 18 different transactions, does that make you suspicious of anything? Yeah, so I, I don't want to speak to any of the uh, anything that 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 might be. What I can tell you is in a normal investigation, what we would do is we try to trace back that transaction. We tried to figure out where this came from. We would interview witnesses. We would do all sorts of things to, to, to establish why that diamond was given to someone. Cyprus. What reputation does Cyprus have? So uh, I don't know any of the exact, I do know of Cyprus. Cyprus has come up as a part of investigations within the IRS. I can't speak to any specifics of Cyprus. Okay, you can't talk about the reputation of that island with regards to taxes, money laundering? Um, I can't speak to any of the specifics of that on this interview. Okay. 
So let me just break this down for you because I want to mention that I did not creatively edit that clip. Those are not two clips stuck together. That was how it aired on Jesse Waters' primetime. Whew. Now, what's funny about this is he turns to a United States IRS agent and says, what would you think about a Chinese company buying diamonds? And my first thought was, is that Chinese company, does they, do they have a headquarters in the United States? Are they paying United States taxes? Because if they're not, I don't know why an IRS agent would care or know anything about the inner workings of Chinese companies in China, number one. Number two, Jesse Waters doesn't name the company. It's just vague. It's just Chinese company, diamonds. Chinese company, diamonds. Ha <laughs> ha. Okay, so then Jesse Waters doesn't really get an exciting answer. He gets basically nothing. And he just goes, Cyprus. What do you think about Cyprus? And I'm like, wow. Wow, this is painful. Holy crap, this is painful. Jesse Waters, you understand what you're doing here. You're just asking him about a country. You're just asking him a general question about a country. And then Ziegler, being a dutiful IRS agent, is like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, there's, you, Waters, you need specifics. You can't just go up to somebody and go, Brazil. <laughs> Brazil. Tell me what you think about Brazil. And, and what did we learn from that segment? Absolutely nothing. We had Ziegler on. We saw what he looked like. And Jesse Waters being dramatic. And that's it. Is there any evidence about Hunter Biden? Absolutely not. That is uh, pretty typical of most Hunter Biden segments on Fox News. Woo! Okay, now we're moving on. Uh, very quickly, as we're at 15 minutes into the podcast, I should give a shout-out to my sponsor. And that shout-out is to the listeners of this podcast and the readers of my newsletter. What's the newsletter, you may ask? It's the written version of this podcast, which can be found at Substack for Decoding Fox News. want to add, this week, lots of hyperlinks. We're about to get into a bunch of them. So lots of hyperlinks. If you want to see the sources I've gotten my information from, that sort of thing, Highly recommend it. Um, if you would like to become a paid subscriber to Decoding Fox News, you can do so at my Substack for Decoding Fox News. You can also go to my Patreon for Decoding Fox News. You can share if you can't afford to become a sponsor. That's fine. You could share the podcast, share the newsletter, tell your friends, uh, try to get up enthusiasm for this wacky little podcast on a micro budget. Um, and uh, you can also give me a review on any place that you get a podcast. And that's it. Thank you so much if you're one of my supporters. I appreciate it immensely. Um, and again, if I met one of you in Texas, thank you so much. I, I think I came across as kind of awkward because I was completely dumbfounded and shocked that anyone knew who I was. I mean, I expected some media to know who I was, but when ordinary citizens were like, and they called me, you're the Fox News lady, I was like, I am the Fox News lady. What up? So moving on to Jared Kushner. This was on Thursday, Fox and Friends. Steve Ducey does a very strange um, take comparing Jared Kushner to Hunter Biden, which I don't think is the wisest thing to do, but he went there. Brent also, a uh, final point on this, uh, asked him about uh, Jared Kushner's mm -hmm. uh, investment group mm -hmm. getting a $2 billion, billion dollar infusion from the Saudi government and that particular fund that uh, MBS controls. And he was asked, okay, so if Donald Trump is reelected, are, you know, isn't that a conflict of interest? And Khashoggi, uh, rather Khashoggi, uh, MBS said, if it's legal, what's, what's the, problem? the problem? 
So this one, uh, there's a lot to explain, so I'm going to try to break it down as best I can. When Ducey uses the term MSB, he's referring to Mohammed bin Salman, who is the crown prince of the Saudi royal family, and he's pretty much the ruler of Saudi Arabia. He's a very nefarious individual. So Khashoggi was a Saudi Arabian journalist based in the U.S., uh, who began to write a monthly column in the Washington Post that was critical of the Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, MBS. And again, this, that was in 2017. Within a year, he was murdered and dismembered in the Saudi consulate in Istanbul, Turkey, in October 2nd, 2018. And although the Saudi government has maintained that Khashoggi was killed by a rogue operation of agents, Turkish officials have said the assassin, assassins acted on orders from the highest levels of the Saudi government. The CIA concluded that MBS directly ordered Khashoggi's execution. Now, make this even darker, uh, Jared Kushner was apparently besties with um, MBS. So that's his answer. <laughs> yeah, the right. thing that's different, obviously, with Jared Kushner, he was in business before. before. Mm -hmm. He made a dollar to work for four years, sacrificed personal freedom, almost was jailed for no reason because of the Mueller report. Played a huge role with Abraham Accords, saluted by uh, guys like Mike Pompeo, who was Secretary of State at the time, said he did brilliant work. And then he goes back into business. So also he was doing business before. So Kilmeade left out that according to Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington, Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump made an estimated $640 million during their time in the White House. And according to reporting by Just Security, in June 2017, Kushner also had a pivotal role in supporting a blockade of diplomatic and economic relations with Qatar by Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Bahrain, and United Arab Emirates. The Qataris reportedly believed the blockade might have been linked to their refusal to bail out Kushner's failing buildings at 666 Fifth Avenue in New York City. By April 2018, then-Secretary of State Pompeo told the Saudi government that it was time to end the blockade against Qatar. Within a month, Kushner Companies and the Qatari so Sovereign Wealth Fund negotiated a deal with Brookfield Asset Management to bail out 666 Fifth Avenue. So a little bit of background. At the time, uh, Jared Kushner and his family bought this building, nine, uh, 666 Fifth Avenue. They paid way too much money for it. The market collapsed, and they were underwater. And he was constantly looking for someone to bail out this building. And he had contacted Chinese companies. They wouldn't do it. He had tried other methods and wasn't getting anywhere. And apparently he had tried the Qataris before, and they were like, no. So then there's this blockade against the country, which he has an involvement in. Uh, which is a bit absurd because uh, they other countries were calling Qataris terrorists and all this nonsense. And then suddenly that blockade gets lifted and Jared Kushner gets his building financed. And it's a little complicated. So the company Brookfield Properties later acquired the building through a 99-year lease in August of 2018. The Qatar Investment Authority, QIA, later insisted that it did not know about the deal and was only brought into it by its partnership with Brookfield Property Partners. And quick note before I get a bunch of uh, emails and stuff on Twitter, there is some discussion on how to pronounce uh, the, the country that is spelled Q-A-T-A-R. I've heard Qatar and I've heard Qatar. 
I went with Qatar because when I was researching it, that's what I saw more of. But I know that there's debate on how to pronounce that country. And I, I just went with one over the other uh, to keep it from being too confusing. So the discussion is not finished about Jared Kushner. Here we go. Jared and Ivanka have said that they, they won't join the administration. Right. And they have not it's joined the re-election. Right, because yeah. this money was exchanged after the presidency. Six months. Yeah. Um, and the other difference is he's saying this is completely legal. And now we have Congress that's wondering and trying to investigate to find out if what yeah. happened with Biden and Hunter was legal. Well, MBS actually said if it's legal. Oh, if. There was <laughs> right? the question what, mark. Right. Well, but no, no. If, it, if it's legal, if Donald Trump becomes president again. Legal, but what he's done so far, what but what he's, what he's done so far, there's no problem with because he's a civilian, international business person looking for investment. So there is nothing illegal about it. I'm just reporting what he said. Just want to point out, it was kind of subtle at the end there, that, but that was a bit of a tiff between Steve Ducey and Brian Kilmeade, which you love to see. Those are some of my best performing clips. Uh, <laughs> people love to watch them fight. Anyway, just want to point out that they keep emphasizing that Jared Kushner, who formally directly worked with the federal government when Trump was president, they're downplaying that as if, yeah, he got $2 billion from, again, the Saudi royal family right after Trump left office, $2 billion with a B. But that's no big deal because he's a private citizen. And I just want to point out that Hunter Biden has always been a private citizen. And when Hunter Biden worked for foreign companies, they weren't foreign governments. And there's a huge difference when you work for a foreign government that's very, very, like um, Manafort did, that's very different than working for a foreign business. I mean, they, at, Jared Kushner was actively involved in policymaking with Trump. So this idea that that's not a big deal, that he worked for Trump and then immediately took a huge sum of money from a foreign government, from a foreign government, not from a, just a rich person, but from an actual government. Uh, that money came from the royal family, it didn't come from just, you know, some billionaire. So that's not a big deal. And they emphasize that, he, again, he's a private citizen, but so was Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden, when uh, Joe Biden was senator, he didn't work for him. He didn't work for his father when he was vice president, and he didn't work. He hasn't worked for him since he's been president. Um, I think some of the things Hunter Biden worked on were a little goofy, probably a bad idea, probably shouldn't have worked in Ukraine, probably should have tried to keep more of his business domestic. But so far, other than, you know, tax violations, which is pretty much a very large percentage, I would suspect, of incredibly rich people probably cheat on their taxes because they know they can get away with it. Uh, the, t the gun form and then smoking crack and hiring sex workers. That's it. That's all they've got on him. And as far as the gun form is concerned, Rex Chapman, who is an amazing follow on Twitter, if you want some entertaining content, uh, Rex Chapman, the basketball player, he made a joke about wouldn't that be like a huge section of the South if you really did bust all these people for lying on a gun form about drug use? I, I said it would probably be at least a third of Southern Missouri. And I'm from Missouri, so I can say that. Uh, Rex is from Kentucky. but uh, And Rex is a former addict. He's a recovering addict. So he And he jokes about that all the time. So the fact that they're making this huge, literal federal case out of a gun that Hunter Biden owned for two weeks, didn't hurt anybody with it, and that his girlfriend at the time threw away. I mean, yes, he screwed up. He shouldn't have done that. He openly wrote about it in his memoir, didn't really hide it. Uh, very dumb thing to do, but a lot of people do that. A lot of people do dumb things like that. And I, I would suspect the percentage of people who lie 
on a gun form about illegal drug use would be quite high. Quite high. I don't know what that number would be, but I think it'd be very, very high. So uh, moving on. Oh, we've got a we've got a doozy. Jesse Waters falsely claimed undocumented immigrants can vote. And here's that segment. Under won't talk about the border, the bribery, or the blow. Because the White House doesn't want to explain why they want Latin America to colonize North America. Biden said, just watch me. And I am. I'm watching him give half a million Venezuelans temporary amnesty this week. No deportations, and they get work permits and Social Security numbers. And that gets them driver's licenses. And in Pennsylvania, you get a driver's license, they mail you a ballot. In New York, you have a Social Security number, you can register to vote. That's the point. So I went to the official website for the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. And in order to register to vote, a resident must be 18 years or older and a U.S. citizen. And it breaks it down. Be a citizen of the United States, be a resident of Pennsylvania and the election district. Uh, you have to be there for 30 days before the next primary, special, municipal or general election and be at least 18 years old. OK, now, um, although Pennsylvania does have automatic voter registration when a resident renews or obtains a driver's license, it does not extend to non-citizens. Pennsylvania is the 24th state to have automatic voter registration. Now, I wanted to include this in the newsletter, but I didn't really have the space for it because the space is very tight in the newsletter and images take up a lot of it. So, um, but in New York State, I looked this up, and if you are a citizen where I live, you get a little American flag that's kind of subtle, but it's on your ID. So the state of New York knows I'm a U.S. citizen. If you are a undocumented immigrant or any various layers of immigrants before you become a citizen, there's different kind of strata as you move through the system. Um, it says on your ID that you're not a citizen and it's up in the corner. So the state of New York knows who's a citizen and who's not a citizen. And you have to bring in quite a bit of paperwork to get that ID. They don't just give you an ID because you're breathing. So the next up is this, this one just is making me laugh every section I'm cracking up. So uh, I come from a very pro-union family because both my parents were union members. And watching Fox News try to be both populist, pro-working man, and pro-union is funny because they don't really want to be pro-union because that would kind of go against everything the Republican Party is against. The Republican Party has actually tried to abolish unions all over the country multiple times. They don't just go after municipal unions. Right-to-work states pretty much destroy unions, and they're littered throughout the country, which, by the way, some of the poorest counties in the United States exist in right-to-work states. Now, because it's lower wages, this is a bizarro little segment where they're trying to act like they're pro-union, but they're really undermining the union. Listen to the words Steve Ducey says here. It's very, it's, it's not incredibly heavy-handed, but it's, it's just right there on the surface. Article about this today in the Wall Street Journal. And the, the winner is Elon Musk. Mm -hmm. Because as the big three try to tool up to make electric vehicles, he is actually making them. And remember, it was in March, he said, I'm going to cut production costs by 50%. So whatever the union workers get with these, uh, you, you put that on top of the legacy costs mm -hmm. for the big three, their cars are going to cost a lot more than Tesla. So ultimately, 
Elon Musk is a winner. Read all about it in the Wall Street Journal. I was really reading. I was reading that his employees make a lot less though than these yeah, union they're workers. They're not union. Yeah, the Washington Post is reporting this morning that the starting pay ranges between $18 an hour and $32 an hour, and the union says they right. want that to be the range to be $10 higher per hour given the inflation rate. So that was pretty bizarre. <laughs> they're basically saying the non-union employer is the winner of this strike. And then they just sort of casually mention at the end, yeah, but they don't get paid as well. They, the workers don't get paid as well. But boy, that Elon Musk, he's winning this game. Because Fox has been very careful not to celebrate the big three automakers but the, and not bash the union. But they do segments like that that are very, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're basically saying it's better to be non-union without saying it's better be, to be non-union. Very odd, very odd segment. So this next topic, there, uh, Fox produced several segments on it last week. Um, the UN had a summit in New York City. So you're talking about diplomats uh, from all over the world came to New York for the summit. And one of the topics that kept getting brought up was climate change, because of course it would be. And even Ukraine President Volodymyr Zelensky brought it up. And Fox just had a field day with that. It's like, how can he talk about climate change when his country's at war? Well, I mean, unfortunately, climate change is still happening, whether or not we're at war or not. So here's the clip. And this was just, I added a clip from CNN and a clip from NBC to the end of when Brian Kilmeade's talking. And I'll explain it as I play them. And it's unbelievable that the United Nations, they say this is great. Yeah. That's all they talk about. Even Zelensky was talking about climate change mm -hmm. and countries being flooded. So what are you Pope. talking about? Isn't absolutely incredible well, uh, what it, how, how crazed people are with this climate change. So this first clip is an excerpt from an NBC segment about the Pakistani floods that covered one third of the country last year. A climate catastrophe unfolding in Pakistan. It's being called a monster monsoon, and this is why. Floodwaters so powerful, they brought down a multi-story building, washing away bridges and homes and crops, people wading neck deep in water. Rescuers are using whatever they can find, in this case, a bed frame and some rope to pull people to safety. Heavy rains that started in June are causing flash floods all along the Indus River. Newly released satellite images show the before and after. We have nothing left. We lost everything, this woman says. The numbers are staggering. 33 million affected, more than 3 million displaced, and 119 killed overnight Saturday alone, pushing the toll to more than 1,000 dead. So that was a flood that literally submerged one third of a country uh, a year ago. It killed 1,700 people roughly, including 647 children, and caused $30 billion worth of damage. Now, two weeks ago, there was a catastrophic flood that included a bunch of dams breaking that made it much, much worse in Libya. And here's a clip about that. Libya is now coping with major flooding that has wiped out entire villages and reportedly killed thousands of people. Video from the region, you can see it there, shows buildings collapsed, cars submerged, torrents of water rushing through the streets. The Libyan Nation National Army and a health official say more than 2,000 people are dead, five to 6,000 missing. So I just want to point out why it's so dangerous. Uh, I think it's fairly obvious. 
when Fox doesn't report on this stuff. Now, they did kind of give lip service to the floods in Libya because they are considered like one of the deadliest floods of human history, of recorded history. 5,300 people were presumed dead, 10,000 missing, entire communities washed away, probably irreparable in some areas, one of the deadliest floods on record. I will also add that this past summer, other areas that experienced extreme flooding due to record-breaking rainfalls were Hong Kong, mainland China, Norway, Greece, and several parts of the United States. So most climate science believe rising temperatures caused by man-made climate change have intensified heat waves, droughts, and increased rainfall. For every one degree Celsius increase in temperature, the atmosphere is able to hold onto 7% more moisture. So that moisture eventually comes down. And that's why uh, in China and Hong Kong, they had rainfalls that were higher than anything ever recorded. Uh, this happened literally all over the world. You had wildfires breaking out all over the world. Canada, Southern Europe, Northern Africa, the United States. So there's kind of, uh, we're going to go into this one. It's another clip that's going to make me very, very worked up. But uh, <laughs> I hate to say that, but sometimes Fox gets me worked up. And this is one of those instances. So Fox does not tell its viewers about climate disasters unless it is right in their face. Like if it's happening in Texas, they'll report on it. If it's happening in Kentucky, they'll report on it. Um, Hawaii, of course, they reported on it. But if it's happening in Pakistan, China, Norway, Australia, um, Japan, they don't talk about it. Korea had crazy record-breaking heat. Uh, South Korea, that is. So you're talking about, uh, you had uh, record-breaking wildfires in Canada. You had record-breaking wildfires in Greece, Portugal, Spain, uh, Italy, parts of Italy. And, you know, Fox didn't mention it. So their, their audience is dumb. They don't know. They're uninformed. If they were watching Fox and other right-wing media, they have no idea how bad this problem is. They have no idea that sea ice is at a record low. They have no idea that we topped every heat record this past summer. Fox News purposefully keeps their viewership in the dark and ignorant about what's going on because they're easier to manipulate. It's easier to have somebody like Michael Schellenberger, who is an MA in anthropology, come on and say, oh, climate change, climate change, climate change. He has no training in climate change. Laura Ingram had somebody on who didn't even have a degree. I looked him up. He didn't finish college. Didn't finish. And, you know, you don't have to finish college. You could be a superstar and go to high school. It doesn't matter. But if you're going to say you're an expert on something like Climate science, you probably need to go to school for that. I mean, would you go to a doctor who didn't go to school? No. Would you go to a dentist who didn't bother to get training and an education in dentistry? You wouldn't. You wouldn't do that because it's all complicated. We don't want to screw up our bodies and hurt ourselves. We go to train professionals. So I don't know why we would be taking advice from somebody who has a degree in like poli-sci or communications about climate change because it's complicated. There's a lot going on with climate change. I'm getting worked up. I'm going to get more worked up. But I will say this. I got very excited about this, this next one because I'd already clipped this and put it on Twitter. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to go now that I have a little bit of time and I'm working on the newsletter. I'm going to go and find the actual interview um, of Gavin Newsom on CNN. I'm going to watch the whole thing, which I did do. It's not that long. It's a good interview. Um. This is a clip. This is something that they keep promoting. They promoted it in the last GOP debate. They're going to promote it in the next one, I'm sure. And this is a lie. What happened is after Dobbs, the Republicans figured out 
that all of those polls that showed for years that American support of pro-choice policies, that is uh, access to abortion care, was, were usually around 65 to 70% pro-women having access to abortion care and about 30 who were against it or 35, depending, depending on the poll. Year after year after year showed this. And the right wing said, no, it's 50-50, it's dead heat. It's, it's actually 51, 55% are pro, pro-life, they're against abortion. And you'd say, where are you getting these numbers? And they'd use some right-wing blog or right-wing pollster, and they'd say, see, see, look, there's our evidence. And you'd be like, I'm not believing that. Then Dobbs happened, and all across the country, in every opportunity that the actual voters had to pick abortion access or abortion bans, even in the reddest of red states, voters have picked abortion access. So now they're worried. Oh, no, this might actually hurt us. We, we could have told you this. We could have told you this. <sighs> they're changing the narrative. They've decided it's not abortion. It's infanticide. Infanticide being, of course, um, the murder of a baby after it's been born, which is not something that happens in the United States. It's not legal. No one's pushing for it. There's no movement to push for it. Uh, I'm going to play this clip And then it's going to go right into how Gavin Newsom actually answered the question. Here we go. He was asked about, he said, this is student government, give me a break, it's a joke. And then when asked about abortion, which is something that um, a lot of of people are concerned about, a lot of women especially, when asked about abortion up until the very end, or even after the mom gives birth, he said, in those extremely rare and personal circumstances, one thing I absolutely believe, Donald Trump should not be making that decision, I shouldn't be making that decision. Now, I suspected that was not how Gavin Newsom answered the question. So I found the entire interview, watched the whole thing, and then cut. This is how, this is Dana Bash from CNN asking him the question that Ansley Earnhardt just read, and this is his actual answer. Another issue is abortion. You have probably heard more and more Republicans, including Donald Trump, who just over the weekend accused Democrats of supporting abortion rights up to and after birth. (laughs) Can you be clear about... What does that mean, after birth, well, abortion after birth? It's made up. It's a political... Well, can you just be clear about political. what limits on abortion should be? It's a political thing. People are not seeking abortion. But what is at the what is the policy? The what should it be? The policy, it's not up to Donald Trump or me. It's up to you, to women, that have to bear that responsibility uniquely and distinctively. And the reality is, it's a canard. It's a political frame. It's total... BS. And it's exactly where they need to go because they know they've gone too far. But there has to on be some side. kind. Well, let me just talk about your state of California. Yeah. As you well know, there is a law in books that preceded you uh, that says that you can have an abortion up until viability, which is about 24 weeks. That's right. Is that something that you that's, support that's personally? That's in statute in the state of California. That said, there was a constitutional amendment that we placed on the ballot. That, that has some nuance in it. And so that's an area that's being adjudicated in public opinion and likely will ultimately be adjudicated so in is the it the government's role then? I know you, you said it's, it's up to women. It's not to make that decision. So there should be nothing no, that, on the books? This is, this is a canard. This is a false flag. This is where they need to go in order to get out of the mess they've created because they don't believe in fundamental choice and freedom. 
for women. I think he summed it up well there. Now, his answer was much longer than that. And what Fox News did and Ansley Einhart read is she took part of his answer from the very end of the discussion about abortion and acted as if he'd answered her question in the way that Ansley Einhart phrased it, where she said, oh, you know, it's a difficult thing, yada, yada, yada. No, he said infanticide is not something that anyone's pushing, that it's, it's not a thing. Abortion after birth is not a thing. When you look up the definition of abortion, it's the termination of a pregnancy. It's not the death of a baby after it's born. So this, uh, you know, saying that anyone is pushing for infanticide is a lie. It is not legal in any state. Um, I had some people come at me on Twitter over this saying, oh, but you should check out this. And I said, I said to them, I challenge you, find a statute on the books that was voted by a legislature and signed by a governor that says that you can kill a baby after it's born. Go. You're not going to find it because it doesn't exist. Find me a bill right now that is pending anywhere in any state legislature that says it is legal to kill a baby after it's born. You can't find it. Now, in one case in California, there was a case where uh, they wanted to change the language of a bill to basically say to a person who'd had a miscarriage that they wouldn't be investigated for having a miscarriage. It was it was a, it's like a technical thing like that. And some anti-choice advocates pounced on that and tried to say that that was infanticide. What? Or that it was somehow giving parents the legal right to kill their children. It's absurd. Um, so anyway, uh, now to right before I go into the long list of stories that Fox News ignored, I'm going to play a fun one. It's, it's the, 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 the theme of this is not fun at all. It's very dark. But it's funny because of who says it. And we know who says it. It's everybody's favorite. My favorite. Judge Janine! Somebody wants me to do, maybe for Christmas, an entire episode like Judge Janine. And I thought to myself, that might be difficult. Because this voice is exhausting to do. As a vocal performer, whatever you want to call me. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard on my throat. And I think it would actually get annoying. I think what I might do for Christmas is do kind of a best of and do like a Judge Janine into a, into a Carrie Lake. Shut up and I, you're fake news and you're a liar. And I am the governor. Hello, Donald Trump. How are you? You're looking quite handsome tonight, aren't you? And then I could just like move into like a, a Marjorie Taylor Greene, you know, doing her whole like, that Lauren Boebert was giving a man a handy J in a theater in Denver watching Beetlejuice. She's not MAGA. She doesn't care. She's not committed to the cause of worshiping Donald J. Trump like I am. Okay. She is not a virtuous woman. I am. And Hunter Biden with all of his shenanigans. I showed his penis in the house floor. I did. I showed, I blew it up into large pictures and then I accidentally sent it to anybody on my mailing list and I didn't check to see if they were a minor. So I could have broken federal law by doing that. But I am Marjorie Taylor Greene. How dare you? How dare you? I'm just going to yell. No, I'm sorry. That's just. I'm getting it out. I'm getting it out. So here it is, Judge Janine, on her favorite topic. I had a lot of these clips, a lot of them. And, you know, the juvie court, you know, and lowering the age is a bunch of nonsense until we as a society have the nerve and the verve and the determination to lock these kids up, to make them examples. They're going to continue to do this. 
Now, you know what the problem is with these young kids? We've raised the age. We raised the age in this era of, you know, social justice nonsense, which makes no sense. You violate the law, you go to jail. It's really as simple as that. We've given them criminal privilege. They know they've got criminal privilege. They're impacted. Bottom line is there are no consequences. And until we put these kids in jail and remove them from society, even my, my pets understand no. I mean, this boy is going at her, you know, full throttle. They're talking about curfews and they're talking about metal detectors. I'll tell you what they need to talk about. Reversing raise the age. What they did across this country was raise the age of criminal responsibility so you're not responsible until you're 18. Damn it, lower the age. Kids are smarter than they used to be. They're more violent than they used to be. And it's about time we, we showed some consequences. You know, thinking of Beetlejuice the musical, I think it'd be fun to do like, uh, it would be hilarious to do like Judge Janine the musical, and it would have a, a song just called Lock Him Up! Lock Him Up! See that kid over there? Lock him up! Throw away the key! These kids are too smart! Lock him up! Raise the age! You know, hey, I did, a, I did some musical theater in the day. I did. Now, on a serious note, I just want to add that crime is actually down dramatically since it's been in de decades past. Like the 70s was very high, 80s, 90s. It's dropped dramatically since then. But the difference is the perception is that there's more crime because we're all walking around with video cameras in our hands and there's surveillance cameras pretty much all over every public space. So now we have video evidence of crime and it's being plastered all over the media and people are like, oh my gosh, it's out of control. It's actually down, it's actually lower. Now there are areas in the country that have higher crime um, than they, they used to. Memphis is one. Philadelphia is another. Um, Arkansas is, actually has a very high crime rate for a state that was shocking to me. I was not aware of that. Um, New York is actually very low crime, despite what Fox says. So some of this is just hype and nonsense. Uh, so yeah, and that's kind of hysteria with the whole raise the age. I, I would completely disagree, and most experts would disagree with what she's saying, because putting kids in the system when you can still, you know, possibly turn them around is sometimes the worst thing you can do for somebody who's 15, 16 years old. If you can manage to turn that kid and get them on the straight path, they won't be a career criminal. Throwing them in prison is going to make things worse. So here we go. Stories Fox News ignored. Each week I compare the hours I've covered on Fox News with five hours of the PBS NewsHour. The following list are stories that PBS covered that Fox News did not. Developments in the war in Ukraine. First section, Ukraine President Volodymyr Zelensky fired six deputy defense ministers following the dismissal two weeks ago of his head defense minister in a corruption scandal. Zelensky also met with the Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, as well as representatives from the business community to thank Canada for the assistance it has sent to Ukraine. PBS invited Vic Victoria Nuland, Under Secretary of State for Political Affairs of the United States, to discuss the many challenges of the Ukrainian counteroffensive. China flew 103 warplanes towards Taiwan in a 24-hour period. Chinese planes fly towards Taiwan on a daily basis, but this was a new high. As is customary, all of the military planes turned back before reaching the island. PBS featured an extended interview with Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan, conducted by Amna Navas. Erdogan was combative and defensive throughout the interview, and he said that he trusted Russia as much as he trusted the West. 
Navas also explored Turkey's somewhat strained relationships with the EU and Sweden, as well as human rights abuses and oppression of political opponents in Turkey. Officials in Libya split the city of Derna into four sections over concerns of disease outbreaks following the aftermath of the devastating flood. There is also concern of political unrest. Jailed American journalist Evan Kursanovich appeared in a Moscow city court behind a glass defendant's cage. It's the first time Kursanovich has appeared in public since his last hearing in June. U.S. officials believed he is being wrongfully detained and there is no merit to the charges against him. Last week marked National Voter Registration Day. PBS explored how state and local governments are trying to get more people registered to vote. The Senate managed to confirm a few military promotions, despite Senator Tuberville's attempts to hold them up over his personal objection to the Pentagon's policy on abortion. A series of conflicts broke out in the Nagoro-Kabreb region of Azerbaijan. The area is home to ethnic Armenian separatists who, by the end of the week, had surrendered to Azerbaijan forces. The area has long been at the center of tensions. Six Palestinians were killed during raids in the occupied West Bank and the Gaza Strip. At least three of those killed were claimed as militant fighters. Iran's parliament passed new legislation imposing draconian penalties on women who don't adhere to rules related to hijabs or headscarves. Republicans in the Wisconsin state legislature might impeach Janet Projevich, a freely elected liberal Supreme Court justice. Republicans are citing Projevich's comments earlier this year in which she called the state's maps rigged, as well as receiving $10 million in donations from the Democrat Party. Her opponent, former Justice Daniel Kelly, also received millions in donations. In North Carolina, state Republicans are trying to remove Anita Earls, a state Supreme Court justice, over her comments about racial bias. India and Canada have entered into a diplomatic showdown over the assassination of Hardeep Singh Nijar, a Sikh Canadian activist. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said that his government has credible evidence that the Indian government was involved in the murder. India has denied the allegation. A U.S. contractor, originally from Ethiopia, was sentenced to on espionage charges for giving classified information to the Ethiopian government. The U.N. Migration Agency estimates 43,000 people have been displaced due to the flooding in Libya. A high school band leader was tased by police after a confrontation over his student band's performance after a football game. Minnesota officials and business leaders grapple with the opening up of mining for minerals used in electric vehicles. PBS explored the pros and cons of increasing mining in the state. Rupert Murdoch, the founder of Fox News, announced his retirement from the corporate boards of Fox News and News Corp. A federal judge declared that one of the defendants still held in Guantanamo Bay is unfit for trial due to a mental illness caused in part by torture techniques used in the prison. The diplomatic deal brokered by the United States between Israel and Saudi Arabia continues to make some progress. Pope Francis condemned indifference towards migrants in Europe and elsewhere. The Biden administration started the first ever Federal Office of Gun Violence Prevention, which will be led by Vice President Kamala Harris. Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas secretly participated in fundraisers for the Koch Foundation. And those are the stories that anyone watching Fox would have missed that PBS reported on. So that's a lot. 
Um, and now we have by the numbers, which is the top five topics per um, network last week. And this is one of the more embarrassing lists I've ever read for Fox News. For the week ending September 24th, 2023, border crisis, 10%. That's solid. Hunter Biden, 9%. Really? Is that is that that important? This one is so stupid. Dave Portnoy, Pizza Festival, Squabble with Washington Post. 5% of its airtime. 4% crime increasing. And 4% Senate dress code. Super important, that one. PBS NewsHour top five topics for the week ending September 24th, 2023. War in Ukraine, 9%. Government shutdown looming, 8%. Artist profile, which is a staple. Iran prisoner swap, 6%. And 5% was dedicated to the interview with Erdogan, which was fascinating. And boy, Amna Navas is a true professional because he was awful towards her and she just kept going and remained calm. And when I got to see her in Texas, everybody said that to her. <laughs> it was like, oh my God, I was such a fangirl. I was such a nerd. She's amazing. I'm just saying that out loud. She is in real life, just as, as sweet as, just, I, I just, ah, yeah just love that. That was a great moment. I was very happy I went. So words used on Fox last week. Biden staggering 294 times. Trump 145 times. Border 140. Now, I always like to go what Hunter Biden beats out. So Hunter Biden, 97 mentions. That was more than migrant at 86, crime at 51, debate at 42, climate 42, Fetterman 29, impeachment 22, Economy, 21. That's embarrassing. Strike, 20. This one's humiliating. Inflation, six mentions. That's over 15 hours. Six mentions. AOC, five. And UAW, four. That's it. That's the podcast. Again, uh, if you would like to become a sponsor, you can do so by going to my Substack at Decoding Fox News, become a paid subscriber or just a subscriber. You can go to Patreon and make a donation, a monthly donation or just a one-time donation there. There's also a dollar sign next to my name. I like being independent because much like uh, PBS, because PBS gets most of their donations from small donors uh, like you or me or anybody who watches the program. You can remain independent. You don't have to worry about your ratings so much. You don't have to worry about um, what might be more popular than what is the best thing to show your viewers. I can show you, for instance, uh, one thing that I know is not very popular is COVID-19 doesn't perform as well when I talk about it. But if it's important, if it's something I need to share, I'm going to share it because I'm not worried about, oh, a sponsor might not like that. I can do what I want. And that's the freedom of being crowdsourced. And that's why I want to remain crowdsourced if possible. And thank you so much for listening. Odin and Thor, my podcast mascots, also send their love. See you at the next podcast.